Good morning. You're just in time. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe, your sacred space to sip on today's local blend of faithful encouragement. Let's start our day together. Good morning. Come on in, pull up a chair. I'm Dave Orsborn. And I'm Amanda Miller. And we are so excited to have you with us in the St. Gabriel Cafe, our live and local morning show. Cam Clutters, our broisto. And today, our friends Cara Day from St. Brendan's and Father Michael Donahue from St. Patrick's are in the cafe to talk all things youth ministry. We're excited to have you guys. Good morning, Amanda. Good morning. Can you start us with a prayer? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for another day. We pray that as we start this, this new week that we just have a greater sense of your presence, that we draw closer to you, that we have an abiding relationship with you. We ask you to form, inform all of our thoughts and to mold our hearts. We ask that in every encounter that we have with others, that they be ones of charity, ones of forgiveness, ones of awe and inspire of the gift of the other. We bring ourselves to you through the arms of Mary. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amanda, thanks for the sourdough. Did you like that? I loved it. <laughs> okay, so my first batch, not so much. This one, I'm a little more pleased with. <laughs> Amanda bakes for us. <laughs> Frequently. Yeah, it's funny because I thought that would be the barista's job, but, you know, I seem to do a lot of it. Hmm. Interesting. Huh? <laughs> Interesting. Well, thanks for stepping up. <laughs> Cam, are you a baker? Not a baker. That's... Uh... My wife does more baking. We made this um, apple dump cake oh. over the weekend, which which is hard to like compare to an apple crisp, but hard to compare to a cake, too. It kind of sits somewhere in the middle there. It works best as like a topping, so we just bought a bunch of ice cream and yes. threw it on top, and that worked great. So. For the win. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> well done. Well done. Well, Bailey's baked for us. Yeah. Bailey, Bailey's good at baking. She bakes, I mean, my wife has a lot of underlying uh, allergies, food allergies, so she bakes gluten-free, dairy-free, corn-free, soy-free, sugar-free, you know, all this different okay, stuff. Okay, she but made she's us like, cookies with like all those frees, and I was just like, okay, one, these are amazing. Two, how did she do this? <laughs> exactly, and that's that's all, uh, that's a lot of people's reaction to egg-free is the one that gets a lot of people. Yeah. But, um, she's, she's a wizard in the kitchen. Yeah. Mm. Those, those cookies were next level. They, they were amazing. Well, if you're listening, yeah. Bailey, it sounds like they want more cookies. <laughs> yeah. Not so subtle. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Today, the church celebrates the feast of the guardian angels. And my dear wife, Carol sent some quotes. This one's from St. John Bosco. When tempted, invoke your angel. He is more eager to help you than you are to be helped. Ignore the devil and do not be afraid of him. He trembles and flees, trembles and flees mm. at the sight of your guardian angel. Oh, I love that visual. Mm. Yeah. Whenever you can make you know, the evil one tremble and flee. Yeah. Right on. Dave, do you have any stories of your guardian angel? Yeah, well, 
Or thoughts? Well, I, I driving. Oh, yeah. Especially around deer. Right. I remember driving um, years ago uh, up to Dublin. I'm an early riser, you know, so often <laughs> it's it's dark when I travel in the morning. And down a little side street uh, going through Dublin and a deer, like out of nowhere, I could kind of see something from my peripheral, jumps over the hood of my <gasps> car. I mean, like within inches. Wow. And... Yeah, and then, and then immediately, thank you, guardian angel. Yeah. I mean, it, it, because I don't always. I'm not great at thinking of that of their protection. Right. But in that moment, it, I mean, it just seems so obvious that it was the that deer was lifted. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, man, that would have been good venison. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a little but, sad you didn't yeah. actually hit it. <laughs> <laughs> no, very glad I didn't hit it. How about you? Um, same. It's sometimes it's those close calls where I'm just like, oh, thank you, guardian angel. Um, like I could p- think of one time where maybe I was walking downstairs with all this stuff in my hands and I'm pretty sure I would have fallen. I definitely tripped and yet caught myself at the very last second, somehow found my footing and yeah, just so grateful. And, and sometimes I think it's just little promptings that almost those intuitions sometimes. And you know, maybe it's guardian angels kind of hinting us in, in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So it, for sure, I need to be more attentive to my guardian angel. Yeah, you know, my memories are, are very much on the physical realm. I remember almost slipping on the ice once. And one of those where the feet start, you know, spinning but I didn't go down. But you just, in, in the supernatural realm is where so many things are going on that we don't even know about. Right. And that's that's where uh, I think John Bosco's or Don Bosco's uh, quote, you know, especially you know, there's a battle going on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, take care of us. What about the... Well, Father, we're going to bring you in. Let, let's bring you in now to talk about Aquinas and the angels. Good morning, Father Michael. Good morning. Welcome to the St. Gabriel Cafe. Yeah, thank you for having me on. Yeah, so actually, before we go into the discussion of the angel, I'd like to have both of you introduce yourselves a bit. Newly ordained? That's right. I was just ordained a priest uh, back on May 20th. OP. So. That's right. Dominican <laughs> priest. Yep, yep. Yeah. Where are you from originally? I'm originally from Fargo, North Dakota. Okay. Yep. Is it soda or pop? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, you know, you know. I grew up saying pop. Or tonic. Yeah. Pop. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but now, having lived outside of the Midwest, I, I also think of it as soda. Okay. Good. Well, welcome to Columbus. Thank what, you. What does Aquinas have to say on the subject of angels? Yeah, I, Aquinas has something to say about everything. Oh, he has a lot to say about the angels, especially as uh, I remember as one of my professors put it, uh, because the angels are these these pure spirits, uh, they, they don't have physical bodies or physical matter or any, anything like that, and yet they're separate from God. They're this great uh, theological playground, so to speak, where we can think about theology and about, say, the anthropology of the human person, but then also about God. And it's like, okay, they, they exist in this space in between, so... These things that we have to apply to, say, God or to about us, we also have to think about how does this apply to the angels? 
So oh, okay. a lot of the, the medieval scholastic uh, theologians would, uh, in, in cases, in these sorts of cases, talk about the angels or, or think through theology and think, okay, this also has to apply to, to these creatures as well. Do you have any good guardian angel stories or even not so good? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's aim for good. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Mostly it's just, uh, it's long been a practice for me, especially when I start driving (laughs) (laughs) to invoke my, my guardian angels help, especially growing up in North Dakota Mm. uh, where the winters can be fierce. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yep. Kara Day from St. Brendan's. Good morning, Kara. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for being with us. Tell us about yourself. Um, I'm the youth minister, the high school youth minister at St. Brendan's over in Hilliard. Uh, I've been doing that officially just for a few months, but I've been helping with the high school uh, program there for, this is my eighth year. So Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's a gift. I'm also a nurse, so I occasionally work at a pregnancy help center as a nurse. Outstanding. um, Which is also really fun. So a little bit of both. (laughs) Tell us about your guardian angel. Well, I was just thinking, um, speaking of my my nursing job, when I work at the pregnancy center, I'm often asking for the guardian angels of these moms and these babies to be with them, to protect them. Um, that's been a really common practice for me in the last couple of years of doing that job of just getting all the help I can to help these moms and babies and protect them. So, yeah. so you're both pretty new to youth ministry. Mm-hmm. But you're also pretty young. That's true. So, so, you're, so you're fairly close to to, to those that you serve. Um, what what are what are some of the biggest challenges that uh, that you think our our young people are facing today? And I want to then take that into the role of uh, of youth ministry. So it's just not fun and games. But I mean, you, you're really there to serve the young people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would say the the culture and what they're being inundated in day in and day out, especially on their phones, on social media, um, impacts them so, so much. And so really it's, they haven't even gotten a chance to be presented with a Catholic worldview before they've already had their worldview developed by all these other influences in their lives. So oftentimes, by the time they're in high school, I feel like I'm doing a lot of um, like backtracking in a sense on ways that they've already been formed by the world. And uh, yeah, just the influence of, of culture, of media, especially. Mm-hmm. Father? Yeah, I, I'd say a very similar sort of thing where it's, they're just facing a culture that is very hostile and trying to tell them how to live or, or in a certain sense saying that you can live however you want. But then at the same time, uh, these are Catholic teens, they're, they're also trying to grapple with the faith and like, how does this integrate with my life? They're grappling with these, these questions and it, it can be very confusing at times. And so mm-hmm. just to, to have people in youth ministry who are giving this very strong witness that no, the, the faith can, and it, it does make sense and it can very much be integrated with our lives. Um, that does mean, you know, rejecting certain parts of the culture at times, but uh, just helping them to navigate that and to to set a, a positive example is, is so key. Were you active in youth ministry as a teenager? Um, reflecting on this, not not so much. Um, like I, I wasn't involved with my parish youth group or anything like that. I, I don't think it was particularly active. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there was a small group. I, I went to a Catholic high school, and so it was some of those friendships okay. that, that really um, I found that support in. And then also the example of some of my teachers, especially I, I was thinking just this morning of my junior and senior religion teacher, where he, he really set that strong example. He, he actually kind of started a, a, a sort of youth group. Um, and so I remember being positively influenced by that. Um, but then a lot of my uh, formation in the faith as a young adult came when I was in college, uh, when I was at a Newman Center. Mm-hmm. So, Where'd you go to college? Uh, North Dakota State University in Fargo. Go Bison. Bison. <laughs> what was that? Like that? Yep. yep. Sorry, <laughs> folks, you can't see that. It's kind of like, what is that like Texas A&M it's also? It's like the rock or, or sign, Texas? but yeah. with, with, you know. Yeah. Kind of a forefinger and pinky. Four. <laughs> yeah, I think is it UT that has the the Longhorns. That's so it. One, one of my class, yeah. one of my uh, classmates in the order went to, to UT, uh, and so he he does this with the the horns spread wide, but the bison the, the, the horns are close. Yeah, <laughs> bison go. could take a longhorn any day. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so. so then, Father, would you say that's kind of more so where your faith really took root and formation was at your Newman Center? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I think it was right about when I was a senior in high school that I really started to take the faith seriously. Um, but then it was, you know, in college where it's actually like grappling with all of these things, figuring out how how it all fits together, and then relying on the strong community of the Newman Center at NDSU. Kara, mm-hmm. uh, were you in youth group as a youngin? Um, in some ways, yeah. I actually, so even though I was raised Catholic, I got connected to kind of a Protestant youth group my freshman year of high school. And that was actually a huge gift to me because even though I grew up Catholic, I had never really met someone who said they believed in Jesus and their life looked different because of it. I had never met someone who was authentically living out their faith. Um, and was this so, because friends of yours were going to this youth yeah, group? Okay. Yeah, I just had some friends going to. I went to a public high school, so it was kind of associated with my public high school. And uh, yeah, so I started going and, and it was such a gift. I really heard the gospel for the first time. And so then I was really involved in that um, throughout high school. And so it was actually kind of an interesting time where if someone would have asked me if I was Catholic, I'm not sure if I would have said yes. I was kind of grappling with those questions. I was, you know, thinking, am I Catholic? What does it mean to be Catholic? I'm not really sure. Um, And it wasn't until I started meeting some people similar to you, Father, my senior year of high school. Um, So at the very end, I started to meet some Catholics who seemed to really know Jesus the way that my Protestant friends did. And that was the game changer for me. So from there, I, so kind of my senior year started getting involved in some Catholic youth ministry, um, but I've been involved in it ever since uh, senior year. So yeah, it was a little uh, interesting at first, not super involved. And I, you know, not because I wasn't interested. I think I was, I was searching, I was seeking for something like that. And I never, no one ever invited me or I never heard of anything that actually had, like you were mentioning, Father, you know, someone who was an actual witness of the faith to me growing up. Mm-hmm. Now, each of you then, so youth ministry for our friends that don't know how, let's just talk for a few minutes about the structure. So you are the youth directors, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have a core team around you. Are these young adults or older high school students? 
For us at St. Brendan's, it is young adults. So we, you know, I lead a team of, uh, we've got a a pretty big team of 16 other young adults with me. Some of them are in college. Some of them have recently graduated from college, um, but all relatively young um, friends that I've met when I was in college or um, from working up at Damascus or just different things like that. Um, And yeah, they help me lead uh, the teens because we've got about 100 high schoolers come in every week at St. Brendan's. So there's a lot of kids to love. And so definitely Mm -hmm. could not do that on my own. So need all the help I can get. Do you also have a middle school program? We do. I I don't lead it, but we have a a great middle school program. So we have a separate middle school youth minister and she um, has a core team as well. And they kind of, she works really closely with our faith formation program as well, because she, some of her things are more on the youth group side and some of her things are more on the family faith formation side for those eighth graders who are preparing for confirmation. Mm -hmm. How about you, Father? Core team? Uh, yeah, so we have a fairly similar structure. Um, so actually, uh, I'm directing both the high school and the, the junior high youth ministry. So for the for the high school youth ministry, we, we have a core team of young adults. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, we have nine young adults. And then we have a few Dominican sisters who also uh, help out. Um, and then I have another uh, assistant who he and I um, coordinate everything. Um, so it, it's these young adults who, who put in a lot of the work of just you know, being with the teens uh, on, on those Tuesday nights uh, and everything like that. But then for the, the junior high, what we actually have is what we call the servants team. So it's uh, juniors and seniors in high school who then uh, help me uh, in, in running everything for the, the sixth through the eighth graders. Father Michael Donahue and Cara Day are in the cafe with Amanda and me this morning talking about youth ministry. Do you get a a mix, I, I think probably you do, of the kids that really want to be there and the ones that are told to go? Perhaps. Um, I haven't really encountered too many of the, the kids who are just like, I don't want to be here mm-hmm. yet. Uh, it seems like most of the kids are like, they, they want to be there, at least, if anything, just for the, the social aspect, to yeah. be able to see their friends uh, and everything like that. But I, I think it's just a, a very good group uh, at, at St. Patrick's. They're very in, intentional about it. Yeah. Well, and, and St. Patrick's draws from all over the city also. Mm-hmm. So these are really um, a lot of the families that are at St. Pat's, Pat's to begin with are intentionally traveling mm-hmm. to go to St. Pat's. And that flows over then into their children, right? And so that for a lot of the, the young people, that is their their place of fellowship mm-hmm. with other with yeah. other young people exactly yeah how about you Kara what's your experience with uh, the kids that show up do they want to be there yeah I think at St. Brendan's we are in a really unique spot where a lot of the teens really are excited to be there and there is definitely you know a really strong culture of you know this is my community. This is where I want to be on a Sunday night. This is what I want to be doing with my life. Um, and of course, we um, one thing that is a gift about St. Brendan's is our teens, my leadership teens, so uh, my high schoolers who are leaders, a lot of them are very evangelistic. So we have new people coming to St. Brendan's Youth Group every single week, uh, which is amazing. So some of them might be a little more hesitant on entering into things if they're coming around for the first time. Uh, but usually, um, I was actually just reflecting on this after youth group last night was uh, what a gift it is that the kids who want to act like they're maybe too cool for what's going on or don't want to enter in are actually 
largely in the minority, whereas a lot of high schoolers express the feeling of, you know, I don't want to, you know, sing at school mass or something like that because people will, will look at me or something. Um, at, when they're at the Vine, when they're at St. Brendan's Youth Group, it's almost reversed where the kids who aren't engaging and aren't participating are almost the ones who everyone's like, huh, what's going on with them? Because there really is just this overwhelming majority of the kids who really do want to be there. They're, they're hungry for it. They're really eager. So, Kara, mm-hmm. you mentioned that um, you're just sharing this desire that the kids seem to have in this excitement. Um, and that's really where they want to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I mean, I'm not sure. It's been a while since I've been in youth group, and I remember wanting wanting to be there at my youth group as well. But uh, my youth group had a couple of kids where, for sure, yeah, um, they were just kind of resistant to the fact of being there. And so, I, just in terms of building a a youth ministry group. How, why do you think maybe there's that particular spark to some of them? What, what Mm. really brings that, that, that desire for kids to really want to be there? Yeah, I think, I think a few things. I mean, there's things we do naturally in like the programming of the night. You know, we start with the pretty soft entry. We're eating dinner, we're hanging out, playing games, things like that. And even, you know, things like the games actually do have purpose and meaning. You know, it's not just silly, silly stuff, but actually when they um, get outside of their comfort zone a little bit and are participating in a game, it can teach them like, wow, being at church can be fun. I can actually have fun here and being Catholic doesn't have to be boring. Um, And so even, you know, easing into the night that way is really helpful for them. Um, As well as I think at the Vine at St. Brendan's in particular, um, we have just really emphasize the importance of making this a community, that this isn't just kind of a drop and go thing that you come to on Sunday nights and then you're done. Um, But the teens are really um, empowered to form close friendships with each other and spend time together outside of youth group. And um, so when they're coming together on Sunday nights, it really is this familial feeling of, you know, these are my people. These are the other high schoolers who I'm pursuing the faith with. Uh, So yeah, I think really that community aspect has been important too. And you've just like told them you should have community outside of this or how, (laughs) how does that work? Good point. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, like I said, this is my eighth year with the vine, um, which is what we call the youth group at St. Brendan's. And so it's taken, taken a while to get to where we are now. Um, And so, you know, I think it definitely has looked like me encouraging them (laughs) in the areas of community, Um, but it's also looked like doing it with them. You know, we'll, um, I know a lot of the boys will get together and play basketball on Wednesday nights, or I'll meet at Panera with some of my core team and the girls and hang out and chat. just different, um, more organic environments um, that, yeah, me and my core team are committed to, or even just showing up at their football games, their soccer games, their band concerts, all of those things, um, showing them, you know, I I am here for you in the whole of your life, not just Sunday nights when you're at youth group. And I think that example of um, the core team being invested in their whole lives has overflowed into them being invested in each other's lives outside of youth group. Wow. I, yeah, I can imagine that would make a huge difference because I would, I would stepping in the shoes of like a youth, I would think 
I would be less invested to go to something once a week if I didn't think it applied to much of my, the rest mm-hmm. of my life. But if I saw people investing in me and coming to my games or even coming to hang out elsewhere outside of youth group, that really may, would make me feel a part of something. Yeah, yeah, it definitely changes the game for a lot of our teens and, and has makes them feel that sense of belonging. Like this is a people that I belong to. And, and not only that, but it even just opens up greater opportunity for them to want to share where they're at in faith. You know, if they know that I support them in their soccer game, then they it translates in their brain to like, oh, well, Kara must also support me in developing a prayer life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, those kinds of things translate really well for the high schoolers. That's beautiful. Kara Day, Father Michael Donahue, Father's from St. Pat's. Kara's from St. Brendan's, and we're talking about youth ministry. Kara, you had mentioned going to a Protestant group when you were in high school. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a mix uh, in your youth groups between Catholics, non-Catholics? I don't think I've encountered any Protestants, actually, now that I think about it. Mm. Um, yeah, and I'm just thinking of uh, all the registration data that I've <laughs> accumulated. I, I think everybody who's coming is 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 Catholic. Uh-huh. At least they're, they're, they're saying that they are. Kara? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mentioned this a little earlier. I think our um, my high school leaders are really invested in inviting new people to youth group. And so uh, last year, actually, we had this statistic that 20% of the kids who were coming to the Vine were not raised Catholic, um, were not Catholic. Wow. 20%? 20%. That is yeah. a big percent. Yes. Yeah, so we actually, I would say that's also something that's pretty unique about St. Brendan's right now is that we have a lot of, of Protestants or um, not even necessarily Protestants, but whether they clicked, you know, they, they like kind Just of- unchurched. Yeah, unchurched, yeah. Um, atheist or something else. Um, and yeah, so we actually have a, a pretty substantial um, number of kids who are not Catholic and uh, come into a Catholic youth group, and we definitely don't shy away from from the fact that we're Catholic. We, you know, we uh, teach the the doctrines of the church. We have Eucharistic adoration every single week at youth group, and so it's definitely um, we're not not hiding the fact that we're Catholic. But we've got all these kids coming back uh, week after week, and actually, um, this is an, an amazing recent glory story from just last night at youth group. Our our talk topic was on the Eucharist, and we were talking about it. And at the end of the night, um, I was closing out the night, and I just made an announcement. You know, if any of you are, are have been coming around to the vine and have come to know and believe in Jesus's presence in the Eucharist, and you're interested in learning more about becoming Catholic, come talk to me after. And I had five different high schoolers come up and tell me they want to become Catholic (laughs) last night, which is amazing. Um, So yeah, we definitely, that's something very specific at St. Brendan's that we've got a lot of non-Catholic kids coming to youth group, which is great. Well, Kara, I would imagine that's also due to the the graces, because you just said that you guys have exposition every week Mm -hmm. at, 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 um, youth group. Yes, which is the greatest gift. I'm very thankful to Father Bob. That's for amazing. That. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, when Jesus is allowed to be exposed yes. and, <laughs> and work in hearts in that way, I, I really do think it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. It's beautiful. And so much credit has to go to the high schoolers mm-hmm. to invite friends yeah. in, into this environment that Absolutely. Is, is so foreign, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, because it isn't 
just fun and games. It is a great place to hang out and it's a lot of fun, but for them to be even be open to hear the gospel, to hear the good news, mm -hmm. uh, just says a lot about where their hearts are, yes. that there's a yearning. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our teens are amazing. I've been mentioning, so we have um, what we call our high school leadership team. We call them our high school vine missionaries. And so those are our teens who kind of similar to you, father, maybe the ones mm -hmm. who help with middle school, the ones who are, who are sold out, who want to, um, really live their lives and uh, for Jesus and live out their faith in high school. And so we even started a few years ago, um, we call it high school missionary formation. So uh, they come and they learn more skill sets of like, okay, what does it actually look like to reach out to the people in my school, on my sports team, my coworkers. And so I think that has been huge in empowering them to really, you know, take on this idea of I am a missionary disciple and the other kids in my school and my sports teams, they deserve to know the gospel that I have come to know. Um, so yeah, they all credit to them. I agree. They're, they're inviting all their friends to youth group. That's fantastic. Now I would imagine that these same high schoolers are also leaders in their schools. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them are, are strong leaders in, in a lot of different ways, you know, whether it's in the, you know, student government, whether it's on their sports teams, in their, um, you know, theater or band or anything that they're involved in. A lot of them um, really take on the mentality of, you know, I, I'm here to love the people in my proximity. So That's outstanding. Now, Father, at, at St. Pat's, the Eucharist as well, right? You have um, mm -hmm. uh, Holy Hour or some fraction of that right right as a part of the evening but then also confessions are you still hearing confessions mm -hmm. that's right yeah so um the youth nights are about two hours long and so usually in this at the start of the second half mm -hmm. uh, uh, we have about half an hour or so of adoration and then immediately after exposing the blessed sacrament i hop in the confessional uh, and then there's another priest on the other side because you really can't talk about saint pat's without bringing confession into it right <laughs> right right <laughs> it's it's one of the most beautiful things of being a priest and being at saint patrick's is being able to hear the confessions yeah well and that the you know the um high schoolers are so open to it uh, mm -hmm. to, to participate fully uh in the life of the church for your um adoration time is it silent or do you bring in praise and worship or how, how do you approach it so far it's been silent though uh again i've, I've yeah only just arrived at saint patrick's <laughs> three months ago so mm -hmm. uh, and i'm only a month into you know the regular youth ministry program so um so far just you know giving them that time for silence that time for for prayer with, with our lord uh We'll see if I change things in the future. <laughs> well, I think uh, when my daughters were involved at St. Pat's in, in, in the youth group, th there was a really nice mix. Mm -hmm. And really, I think what was most popular or for them was, was the silence. It, it was just one of the few opportunities they had in their week, actually, to, to be in quiet mm -hmm. without having, you know, the cell phones out or in engaging in conversation, whatever, but just, just sitting quietly in prayer. How do you approach it, Kara? Um, I would say we do both. We tend more towards the praise and worship side, I would say, um, but definitely within that, even if we are going to have 
uh, praise and worship during the time of adoration. We'll take some time for silence too, because like you said, it is crucial for the teens to just have a moment to, to be silent before the Lord. And um, yeah, because they, they don't get that very often, especially when they can always, you know, numb the silence with their phones. So yeah, we definitely, um, we love to have uh, worship during adoration every week. Um, but within that, still make time for silence as well. But even the role of music for a young person to, to recognize that music can be worship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just not, uh, I won't call out any pop artists because <laughs> I don't know so many. <laughs> but but, but to, to know that, that um, you can raise your voices uh, in, in praise mm-hmm. and, and make it a part. And I would imagine that's also then something that they bring back into, you know, make their playlists or, you know, right. turn to on Spotify. So yeah, a lot of them have been excited to tell me about their, their worship playlist on Spotify. So it's really nice. Outstanding. We're with Cara Day and father Michael Donahue here in the St. Gabriel cafe. We're going to refill our mugs and come back when we do. I'd like to talk about the parents role and how parents can encourage their teens to come stay with us. A prayer for Ohio. Ever-living God, you give life and desire a future for all of your children. Take hold of our nation, state, and community, and awaken in every heart awe for the gift of life. Send your Spirit to strengthen us with wisdom and fortitude as we defend mothers and children in Ohio from laws that disregard their health and safety. Mary and Joseph trusted in you and welcomed Jesus into our broken world. Father, we ask their intercession to protect the preborn and their mothers and to guide all parents in raising their children. May they help us build a civilization of love by upholding the sacredness of life, preserving parental rights, and walking with pregnant women in need. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Mother of the Family, pray for us. St. Joseph, Protector of the Unborn, pray for us. Do you have a minute for lasting happiness? Living virtuously is the way to freedom, happiness, and holiness. To grow in virtue, we must learn about it, practice it, and persevere in it. This is what the saints have achieved with excellence. An excellent example of loyalty is seen in Saints Basil and Gregory Nazianzen. They lived loyalty heroically by remaining friends despite differing opinions. Basil and Gregory became close friends in school and later became bishops. When Basil became an archbishop, he appointed Gregory to a town that was unfaithful to the church. This caused Gregory great grief and conflict, but he forgave Basil. Together, they grew in holiness and remained loyal to Christ. Let us ask Saints Basil and Gregory to pray for us, that we too may grow in loyalty. Educate yourself in virtue, learn more, at educationinvirtue.com. I'm Lori Crock, and this is a Holy and Healthy Minute. When my children were young and they asked a question about someone's behavior that didn't make sense to them, I would say, that's how God made them, to encourage them to look to others with loving and open hearts. Young children don't always understand how different we all are, and in fact, the same can be said for adults. Seeing each person as a beloved child of God can sometimes be a challenge. But to do this is both holy and healthy. 
From 1 Peter chapter 4, Above all, let your love for one another be intense, because love covers over a multitude of sins. This scripture passage reminds me that loving my neighbor not only helps others, but it also helps me, a sinner, to grow in God's grace. Let us pray. Dearest Jesus, help us to meet people where they are with patience and love, and to see them as your beloved children, despite our differences. Amen. Welcome back, friends, to the St. Gabriel Cafe. I'm Amanda Miller. I'm Dave Orsborn, and we're here in the cafe with Cara Day and Father Michael Donahue, and we're talking about youth ministry. Friends, let's talk about parents. And I guess, uh, one, how hard should parents push to get to get their kids to, to go to youth group without being you know, overwhelmingly, you know, paternal. <laughs> and then what are some of the things that you guys are doing to help um, the teenagers have faith discussions back in their homes? So let's start. Father Michael, how hard should a parent push? Oh, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... or what's the best way, I guess, or maybe a better way of saying it mm-hmm. is, is how should a parent invite yeah i like that question (laughs) i think they should definitely encourage um especially and and this is i think just part of the culture at saint patrick's where uh all of these families i think are very intentionally trying to live out the faith Mm -hmm. Uh, and so um these parents uh, a lot of the parents of the of the kids are are people who i see either throughout the week or on sundays i'm seeing these families regularly Um, and so I, I think it's good for the parents to, um, if they're taking the faith seriously to model that and say, Hey, I think you should, uh, try this out. Um, now recognizing that, you know, maybe the youth ministry program isn't necessarily for everyone, but yeah, yeah. Just at at least encourage. Yeah. And more than once often. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Keep inviting, keep inviting. Mm -hmm. Kara, your comments. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, I think I, I read somewhere a statistic of it takes on average seven invites to a church-related thing before someone um, says yes on average. And so mm. I think the the persistence, you know, not in an overwhelming way, but um, sporadically just reminding them like, hey, I think this would be really good for you. I think that, that this could be something that really blesses your life. Um, and yeah, because, you know, a teenager doesn't like to feel forced to be at something. But if you can yeah, who does, um, right? frame it in a way of, you know, I, th- I think this would be really good for your life for, for these reasons. You know, you there'd be there's good people there, good influences. You'd have fun. There's good food. Uh, you'd learn more about the, the questions, the doubts you're having, things like that. Um, and being able to kind of frame it for them of this is why I think this would be good for you. Mm-hmm. With that said, probably the invitation that they would respond to best is from one of their peers. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We see that all the time that the the best way to get someone to come to youth group is if their friend invites them to youth group. Um, so we really make an emphasis at St. Brendan's to empower our, our teens, our teens who have encountered Jesus, who are trying to live out their faith, um, you know, really uh, walking them through um, 
the process of, okay, what does it look like to invite a friend to youth group? And how do we be bold in that? Because um, a lot of them, you know, they are filled with this conviction of, wow, what I've experienced is so good. The love that I've experienced from God is so good. And then helping them translate that to other people at my school deserve to experience that mm-hmm. too. Um, and kind of getting them over that that initial fear um, and being able to be bold and invite their friends. Well, and, and you've talked about bringing it back in then into the into their schools but how about their homes yeah that is is something we see a lot too uh you know one thing i even love is a lot of them will start bringing their younger siblings when they get into high school and things like that really being leaders in that way where you know as an older sibling you can kind of just be like all right get in the car we're going to youth group you know um be a little more pushy with your siblings sometimes than your friends at school but um but with the parents too you know for for us at saint brendan's i see that often that these um kids are kind of on fire for their faith and they're maybe going back into homes that aren't so much. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being able to have conversations with their parents, um, even asking, having them ask their parents, like, can we start going to mass every single week? Um, Things uh, like that, having the high schooler initiate those, some of those conversations about participation in the sacraments, especially. Do you have any stories on how parents respond to that? I mean, the ones that may not be so engaged at all in their faith where were their teenagers witness? Yeah, I I think I've seen uh, both ends in the sense of I've definitely seen uh, parents who um, almost become, I don't know if it's uh, they're feeling convicted and don't know how to respond appropriately, where they almost kind of shrink away um, in shame from the idea that their kid might be more on fire for the faith than them. But on the opposite, I've also seen parents really rise to the call. And, you know, I've got, uh, there's a group of high schoolers right now going to 6.30 a.m. mass with me before school, just one day a week. And um, some of the kids who are coming can't can't drive yet. And so their parents are are driving them to 6.30 a.m. mass, parents who might not want to be, you know, getting up that early. Um, but I've seen them kind of rise to the call of, okay, if my kid is is asking for a ride to, to mass before school, I'm gonna, gonna do it. And so um, definitely Definitely, yes, seen them respond in a really positive way as well. Mm-hmm. Have you had uh, parents react strongly the other way where, where they're concerned that their child is getting in, involved in something that's uh, faith-based, something. especially the ones that, that aren't Catholic? Oh, sure. Like the parents of mm-hmm. the non-Catholic kids. Yeah. Definitely. And, you know, that is something as the youth minister, I am starting to field some phone calls and emails from parents who just kind of want to know, you know, what this is about, what their kid is coming to and everything. And so, um, but I have found, you know, by just actually having a conversation with them, we can usually mitigate a lot of those strong feelings and emotions. Um, just explaining to them, you know, what we what we do at youth group, what we believe, um, what their kid is experiencing, because, you know, parents definitely have the right to be informed of what's going on. Um, and then, yeah, and just encouraging them, you know, if, if they're seeing positive <laughs> impact in their kids' lives from them coming to youth group, you know, why, why not let them keep coming? So even with things like our retreats, just, you know, encouraging them, like, you know, what's the worst that could happen if you let them come on this retreat? <laughs> right. Kara so. <laughs> Day and Father Michael Donahue in the St. Gabriel Cafe talking about youth ministry. Clicks are big <laughs> in high school years. Um, just, just 
smaller groups form. How do you approach that when you when you see a click um, uh, forming that may exclude, you know, other other teenagers? I mean, I mean that has to happen quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think uh, especially in just what I've noticed. Um, I really rely on the core team uh, and those young adults to be able to go into those situations and and just be able to engage the teens uh, and to you know work with them to kind of cross those click boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Um, and do you then do certain activities though that bring the larger group together to try to discourage the the smaller mm. clicks from forming? I mean, how do you approach it, Kara? Yeah, I would say similar uh, to Father Michael, the core team is really great at, you know, if they see a kid who's maybe sitting by themselves, standing Mm -hmm. by themselves, going and engaging with them, talking with them. Um, But not only that, but kind of inviting them into a game or something. You know, that's why we have things like Nine Square or Gaga Ball, things like that, where it's like, hey, how about you come get in line for Nine Square with me? And then all of a sudden, you know, they're not by themselves, they're with you know, 20 other kids playing a game. And so those kinds of things, again, back to the, yeah, the games actually do have purpose and meaning. It's not just right. just for fun. It um, can facilitate, yeah, them, you know, feeling awkward and alone, but now they're, they're playing a game with uh, people that are becoming their friends. So. Mm-hmm. When they're facing uh, difficulties uh, in whatever, you know, in, in school or in family life or with, you know, particular sins, do you, how, how do you approach those issues? Because there's boundaries that you can't cross, but how, how do you bring in, I mean, do you bring in their peers or encourage them to talk to a friend about it? How, how do you, cause we started this, this conversation and talking about all the challenges that they're facing. Mm-hmm. And so now you want to create both a safe environment for them to prosper also still recognizing that there that there are big things that mm-hmm. they're facing so how how are these issues dealt with in the context of a of a, a youth group well for one uh if you have that sense of community there then uh i think the teens know that if i'm going through something i can bring it up with somebody else either with one of my friends or with one of the core team members or uh, at St. Patrick's with one of the sisters or with me mm-hmm. as the priest. Mm-hmm. Um, or if these kids are, are, are going through stuff, they're, they're struggling with stuff, just the fact that we have confession available mm-hmm. and they're, they're able to mm-hmm. go to confession That's and right. to receive the strength of that grace. Um, I, I think all of these things together uh, really give them that, that space to, to tackle these difficult things. Similar, Karen? Similar, yeah. I would say our, our teens are pretty you know, comfortable with the idea that, you know, okay, these are people I can trust that I can talk to who want to, to help me maybe see things I'm not seeing and uh, work through this within the lens of my faith. And so even, you know, we see at the end of youth group, you know, youth group ends at 8.30, but I would say from about 8.30 to 9 every day, the, the gym um, where everyone still is, is almost just full of little conversations happening of teens wanting to chat with whether it's a core team member or a friend um, to check in on, on how they're doing and what's going on. So. Mm-hmm. Teens are hungry for authenticity, yes. for, for the truth, and, and the church has the answers. Mm-hmm. And, and you had mentioned earlier that you're not shying away from any of these truths and you're not watering it down. How, how do you, I mean, so are you talking about 
chastity? Are you talking about pornography? Are you talking about um, how the church has the answer versus the world? Uh, you know, how do you how do you develop those without really coming down so heavy then that it's overwhelming for a teenager? Uh, do you understand where I'm going? I think, um, yeah, we are uh, Sunday night talks, you know, every Sunday at youth group, we've got a little talk um, uh, given by one of the young adult core team members. And we really aim at some of those bigger questions that high schoolers are asking, you know, our talks, you know, we have, you know, why do bad things happen? How do I hear God's voice? How do I read the Bible? Um, Even, you know, who am I supposed to be friends with? Like all, all of our talks are they're almost phrased as questions kind of like okay these are the things that the high schoolers are are wanting to know they're mm. eager and curious and hungry and like you were saying they they are just hungering for authenticity and so um you know one thing i have uh, been thinking about is you know it is it is not my my goal in their time of youth group to teach them everything there is to know about being catholic you know that would be <laughs> crazy to think that i could i could pull that off um but for them to really have this idea um, and come to know and believe that, you know, the church has the blueprint for the best life, that the church has my thriving and my flourishing in mind. If they if they know that, if they, you know, start to see that, wow, this isn't just a bunch of, you know, old rules or something that like the church, she actually, she cares about me and has my, yeah, my thriving and my flourishing in mind. When they, when they start to see that, then it's less about me having to, you know, teach them all the doctrines of the church, but they will start to actually just trust that the church has their best interest in mind. So it translates well into any other things that maybe we aren't covering. in. Well, I like how you you say that their phrases, questions. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it as a teen is knowing how to ask the right question mm-hmm. around things. And then by asking the right questions, you can get to the right answers. But if you're asking the wrong questions up front, you're not going to get there as quickly as, or as, or as easily. So it's not as much pushing down information or pushing down doctrine, but it's helping them arrive then at, at, at the right answer. Right. Yeah. And, like you said, you know, w- what kind of questions they're asking and where they're asking them. Because the reality is they're, they're teenagers. They're, yeah. they're going to ask questions. So if they're going to ask questions and be curious about, you know, is all of this really real? Is, is there legitimacy and authenticity to this faith? We want that to happen within the context of them being at youth group, you know. And so we're, we're definitely not, not afraid of, of their questions. It delights me that they, um, that this is the space that they feel comfortable being like, okay, these are... Things I'm wondering and things I'm thinking about, is any of this really real? And so, uh, yeah, having them ask the right questions and ask them to the right people um, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, searching on TikTok or something. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Kara, I think you actually bring up a really good point because you recognize, okay, I'm not going to have the time and the ability to literally <laughs> teach them everything about the faith. But if I can instill in them a, a trust mm-hmm. and that the church does have their best interest and that all the doctrines of the faith really are geared towards the fulfillment of the human person, mm-hmm. then having that foundation, they're going to be able to move forward with whatever questions down the line yeah. come. Like, okay, I can turn to the church because I know she has my best interest. Exactly. That's beautiful. 
Father, you have thoughts? I think also <laughs> just um, giving them those snippets. So we, we similarly also have uh, little talks on, on our youth ministry nights. But uh, again, I'm also just cognizant of the fact that I'm not teaching them everything. That's mm -hmm. actually what, kind of what the CCD program at St. Patrick's is, is really for, to give them that thorough catechesis. But it's still, you know, picking out those important things and showing them how uh, what the church teaches in the faith really does have purchase uh, on our lives and how it really does apply, uh, especially when it comes to those big questions. Uh, and then also uh, just having people who are there able to model the life of virtue. Mm -hmm. uh, if these, these teens are grappling with these big questions, especially say uh, about uh, chastity or any of the other virtues, just to have somebody there who can say, no, this, this life of virtue is possible. Mm -hmm. The life of freedom is, is possible and it brings this great joy and happiness. And when they see that joy and happiness modeled in somebody, it's like, I want that. Right. Mm. Yeah. Is it that, is it Pope? Paul the sixth who has that quote where it's like modern man, you know, will sooner listen to witnesses than teachers. And if they listen to teachers, it's only because they're witnesses or something like that. Yeah. Evangelion Nuntiandi yeah, right? yeah. for the win. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and, and it's so true. The high schoolers, because of their hunger for authenticity, you know, if we're just trying to teach them without providing them a teacher who's an authentic witness, it, you know, they, they can spot you know, duplicity or someone who is not really being straight with them from a mile off. And so, but if you have these, these witnesses giving these talks who, who actually are living this out, who really do believe the words that they're saying, that shifts something in the hearts of the high schoolers. Oh, I would also think as they're preparing then in, in a lot of cases to go off to college, that this is good training, so to speak, for them to know how to make good friends, how to, um, acknowledge how to how to find um just, just healthy relationships uh as they go out on their own for mm -hmm. the first time and to recognize maybe that um duplicity in others be before they get into these young adult situations on their own away away from home and away from the support that they've had what are some of the biggest fears that they're encountering now as, as they're getting ready to to leave high school? Hmm. I think it is, like you said, the um, friendships, you know, the they've been used to growing up with the same people for a lot of them for the most part. And so then the idea of stepping out into something new where they have to make new friends and new community, that can be pretty intimidating for a lot of them. Um, in even just moving, moving away from home, the comfort of home uh, can be a lot. And so, but if they, if they have that strong foundation, you know, I, one thing I talk with a lot of my teens who, if they're going off to college or trade school or anything else after high school, is this idea that, yeah, a lot in your life is about to change, but you have this foundation that is not going to change, being your faith, you know, and, um, and the sacraments and wherever you go, that will be the same. And I think that is a huge comfort for a lot of them. Mm -hmm. Father? Yeah, I think it's uh, a similar thing where it's just they want to make sure that I think they want to know that they'll, they'll be able to find that support. If, mm -hmm. if they have been so plugged in to the church and to the, the life of faith, I think they, they want to be able to continue to live that out. 
Um, and so they're, they're seeking that out in some way and looking at like, okay, is there's this strong Catholic community where I'm going off to college or mm-hmm. um, like, how can I really keep this up? Because like you say, Kara, a lot of things are going to change when <laughs> you move out of the house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and do you spend a lot of time on, on building a prayer life? Definitely. Le- le- learning to pray? Yes. I mean, it's so foundational. It is. Yeah, I would say that is one of our, our main goals every year, especially for our high school leaders. Of If they end this year having the discipline of a daily prayer life, then we've accomplished the goal. You know, yeah. that, that really is, like you said, foundational to them being able to live this out, you know, not only in high school, but for the rest of their lives. If they learn that now, that will set them up for so much success in the future. How, how do you do it? <laughs> Um, I think teaching on. Yeah, I think that's really practical. I mean, for sure. for for any of our friends, just not necessarily a teenager, but for any of our friends uh, here in the cafe, where where do you start? If you haven't really developed that discipline, how do you start? Start small. <laughs> that's the key thing. Is just just a few minutes a day uh, is often the encouragement that I give. Um, because uh, it, it takes time to build up any sort of habit. And that's, I think, especially true of the, the habit of prayer. Um, so just start with a little bit and then slowly increase it, especially as you, you find yourself, it's like, wait, I kind of want this. I want that time for silence, that time with, with God. Uh, the more you give to it, the more you'll find that, that desire growing. Uh, but if you try to start too big too quickly, then uh, oftentimes people will just, you know, kind of fail spectacularly and then not, not want to start up again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And teaching on the different ways to pray to, you mm-hmm. know, teaching them Lexio Divina and um, how to hear God's voice journaling or um, listening to worship music, the rosary, you know, the church is so rich in all of her ways and forms to pray. And so being able to just expose them to all those different ways to pray um, and, you know, encourage them that every, like, all of these things are, are good and all of these are prayer and it, your prayer life doesn't have to look like the person next to you, you know? Um, and I think for, you know, any parents and grandparents listening, really just modeling the discipline of a daily prayer life. I know it was huge for me when I started to actually just physically see people sit down with their journal and Bible um, and have a daily prayer life and being able to actually see it modeled for me. Like, wow, this person is like, they're not kidding. They actually take time to sit down and pray every day um, is huge. So I would say, especially for for any parents um, of high schoolers or or of children at any age, just modeling that prayer life um, will go a long way for the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, so much of uh, how we approach things and, and, and Father, you've spent a fair amount of time in school, mm-hmm. right, is, is uh, just gathering information and then being productive on, on our own side, you know, with, with passing tests or um, writing papers, sitting down with a blank journal, and, and the Bible can be pretty intimidating. But we have to change our mindset, change our perspective to the transcendent uh, when we're approaching that and just not treating it like preparing for a, an English exam or calculus or, or, you know, or whatever it is, that first step, um, in, in even finding a scripture verse, what, what, what's that small first step? Well, um, I'd say just 
if ever you're starting with the, the scriptures, start with the gospels, um, mm -hmm. because it, it's in the gospels that we encounter, you know, these stories about Jesus Christ, but also his words. And also just recognizing that God speaks through all of scripture. So no matter what you're reading, even if it's just these small snippets, it's God is speaking through that. Mm. If you give him that opportunity, uh, if you try to listen, yeah. he, he'll speak through that. Want to know that God's already there. Right? Mm -hmm. it's, uh, and he's waiting for us. Exactly. So Father Michael Donahue, Cara Day, thanks for being in the cafe with Amanda and me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, a world without end. Amen. Amen. We'll see you tomorrow morning, friends.